Welcome, everybody, to Marketing Management Money. So um, if you've been following our financial series, we did parts one, two, and three. But uh, we did a side conversation a little while back where we uh, kind of joked around with uh, business valuation. And we made a promise that we were going to uh, do a real episode on valuation. And then we both completely forgot about it. <laughs> Not completely forgot. Oh, uh, we still mostly. <laughs> Just had to put it aside for a minute while we did some of this. Oh, is that is that what we did? It yes. sounds so much more respectable. So anyway, uh, as I was going through and uh, you know checking out the notes of uh, things that uh, uh, you know that we're supposed to be doing, and I'm just like, ah, we're going to do part four of the financial uh, segment because we do want to talk about business valuation. And honestly, um, this is a fascinating topic. I, this is a topic that. Most businesses that I've worked with are really clueless when it comes to business valuation. They don't understand what it is. They don't understand when to use it. And when it comes time to use it, they have not set themselves up for success of you know how how to be positioned right. at the right time. And it's, it's actually not that complicated. It, well, it's just some planning. You're right. But the problem is if you, if you Google business valuation – you come up with so many crazy terms that, yeah. that are hard to understand and in some ways are not relevant. So, I mean, one of our goals is to break that down to make it simple because, uh, you know, I, we argue all the time that, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are running businesses, but they weren't, they weren't, you know, they don't have MBAs. Right. You know right. what I mean? They, they didn't take years and years and years of business to understand some of this stuff, but they're good business owners, but sometimes when you get into things and all of a sudden they're saying discounted cash flow model, you're going, what? <laughs> how, how do I use this to value my business? I don't want discounted cash. I like full value cash. <laughs> yeah. I, and yet, and so you get terms that all of a sudden you Google it and it just becomes overwhelming. And so what do you do? You don't value your business. You don't do anything. Well, the other thing is when you, when you Google it is it puts it into these corporate models yeah. So I actually got a degree. My degree is corporate finance. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I studied corporate finance at Westminster College. Huh. And, and, and so, did you not know that? I, I knew it was business, but I didn't realize you had focused on corporate. Well, so the re- the reason I did this, okay, little quick backstory. So if anyone cares to know why, you know, I'm now podcasting about business. So, um, I started a business when I was in my early 20s. It was a, a catering company. I would do, uh, you know, different catering gigs, uh, you know, those art festivals. I, I was the guy there with the little booth, you know. And um, I actually made money every single year, but I made just such a pathetic amount. And I didn't, I didn't pay myself an hourly wage. If I would have paid myself an hourly wage, it would have been like 17 cents an hour. <laughs> You know, and so after three years of doing this, I I thought to myself, okay, it's time to actually learn what I'm doing because I don't want to slave for pennies. This is not the direction I want to go in my life. And so um, I had dabbled in school up to that point, uh, and I decided I was going to get serious in school, and I was actually going to go to school, commit to it, and just you know get my degree. So uh, I ended up going to Westminster College uh, there in Salt Lake City, Utah. And at first, I thought I was going to be an accounting major. And I went in and I talked to uh, an, an advisor, Eric Krauss, if, uh, if you're listening. Thank you, Eric. And, uh, 
And so I, uh, I, I, I talked to Eric and I said, hey, I want to go into accounting. And he said, why do you want to do accounting? And I said, well, I want to learn the language of business because I want to understand how small businesses run. And he's like, that's not accounting, that's finance. And at the time, I didn't realize that there was a difference between accounting and finance. I was naive mm-hmm. like a lot of people are when you know they think of mm-hmm. accounting and finance. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, finance. And so I'm like, okay, well, at Westminster, they had two financial degree options. One was corporate finance. The other was financial services, like investing oh, and hedge funds and those yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah. things. And I'm like, no, I know that I don't want to go into, you know, investing and retirement planning. Like, that's not at all what I'm interested in. And so I ended up in corporate finance. So I studied corporate finance and um, got a great education. Like, I learned a lot. But the funny thing was, is when I graduated, so I actually, for my, uh, for my senior year, um, I created my own internship and I would go out and work with small businesses and say, hey, can I help you, you know, right. with your, your finances? And what I learned most of that is that everything I learned in college did not apply to the majority of small businesses. You know, like when you're talking about the concept <laughs> of float <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, are you floating your cash? And they're like, I don't even have cash to float. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And, and so I had to learn quickly that there was a big difference between what is taught uh, versus what is used. And, and, and I want to bring up that point to, to state that if you're going to you know, Google valuation and try and learn, they're going to take it from a corporate perspective or like a multinational perspective. And they, they throw these examples that just don't pertain to 98% of all small businesses. Yeah, I, if... If you want to Google something and you want to understand it from a small business or a real quick one, uh, Google something tied around Shark Tank and how they value businesses. Yeah. That's that's where you want to learn it from because it's a lot more basic, uh, teaches what they're actually looking for, why they're looking for it, mm-hmm. to understand it, whether they would want to invest in that company or not. Yeah. So if you're going to Google something, Google something tied to, I don't know, uh, Shark Tank valuations or something like that. Yeah, because most small businesses don't have a market cap. Like, that's right. That's, yeah. that's not how they look at it. Yeah. You know? So, okay, we're talking about business valuation. Uh, let's, let's go maybe high level and then bring it down to some specifics. Okay. W- w- would, would you just g- give me a, a quick definition? What is business valuation? What are we looking at? So the idea behind business valuation is we're trying to establish some, just like anything, value of what the business is worth at this given point in time or at some point in time in the future, depending on whether you're buying, selling, or what you're trying to do. But there's a number of reasons why we do business valuation. Sometimes it's we're looking to invest in more capital. We want to understand what maybe we can take in loans. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, a lot of times you think, well, I just need to go get cash, but when you go to get a loan, they're going to look at the value of your business mm-hmm. and indirectly and, and things that they do. So uh, business valuation is gets played out a lot of different ways, not just buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Um, but we use it, you know, all the time when you're doing loans or I need to invest in more uh, capital. I need additional building, a lot of other reasons in there. So we're trying to understand what it is. And then, of course, if we're uh, pushing, uh, we're one of the larger small businesses and maybe we want to go public. Mm-hmm. We need to understand what the value of our company is if we're going to offer shares and stock. Mm-hmm. So, so there could be a number of reasons why we're going to, we're going to do that. But essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand two things. 
for me, because I'm going to just try to break it down to the basics, it comes down to this. What are the assets of the company and what do they produce? Okay, that's, that's the simple idea behind business valuation. What are the assets of the company and what do they produce? Can I make a clarification? Mm-hmm. Employees are not assets in this sense. We're talking accounting assets. Correct. Book assets. And, and, and so when you're valuing a business, you're really looking at, yeah, book assets would be the better way to say that. Now, keep in mind, if you're looking to buy a business, you know, the employees become critical, but you don't account for them the same yeah. way. Now, um, on that same note, if you are looking at a service industry type business, um, people sometimes can be significant. For instance, if you're an accounting firm and one of your lead attorney, or not an accounting, an attorney firm, mm-hmm. okay, or a legal firm, one of my lead attorneys um, or lawyers is going to actually leave the company, that that individual could be an asset because people who want to do business with that individual could not could leave and go with him to the new firm and not stay with my my law firm to do that. So there are some rare cases where people could be assets, but generally when we speak about it, we're going to talk about um, manufacturing, retail, uh, just traditional business where we have hard assets or book assets. Yeah, and, and so when you're talking about business valuation. Uh, I like to look at three, uh, three areas, uh, market value. You know, what, what is the, what is the market demanding for this type of business? The more common your business is, the more turnkey your business is, the easier it is to get that market valuation number. If I own a car wash, I can probably pin down market valuation pretty quickly, pretty easily. But if I own a YouTube channel, uh, no, YouTube channel still could, could go that way. Let's say I'm an influencer, right? And all of a sudden I'm trying to get some sort of value out of what I do. Well, there's a lot of, you know, what would be called blue sky because it's like, how much uh, am I paying for the personality? Yes. You know, like if I was to try and sell this podcast, it wouldn't work so well because, (laughs) you know, like there's not a lot of market value for that. But if I had maybe a strong customer following or uh, listener base, uh, that's... But see, I still argue in that case, the listener base is listening because of, partly because of you. Mm -hmm. So you lose you. We see it all the time on other shows, TV shows, a lot of things. Actors change. It's not the same, is it? Yeah. And so when you're looking at market value, the more common it is, the more turnkey it is, the easier it is to get that market valuation. But the more unique it is, uh, then it becomes harder to get that. The, The other one is book value. You know, just what Correct. what do your financial statements say? Right. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about getting accurate financial statements and making sure that those reflect what the business really is, and why you don't always want to show a loss year after year in your business. You know? right, right. You know, and and then there is the uh, cash flow valuation. You Correct. know, what what are what are the uh, current and projected cash flows of the company? And, you know, putting, putting that valuation in there. When you get into the cash flow, a lot of times you'll see where they'll talk about multipliers. Mm-hmm. So, so anytime you see any business valuation term that generally uses the word multiplier, that's what they're looking at. We're looking at, the, you know, sales plus, you know, your, your sales or your cash flow coming in through sales plus a multiplier or profit, you know, or revenue times a multiplier to get a value to do that. And, and I want to put out there that there's, 
um, you need to be very careful because doing a business valuation, using one model versus another can give you different numbers. It will give you different numbers. And, and so, and especially if you think you're going to value your business yourself and then go out and try to sell it, it isn't going to happen. Mm. Okay. Um, generally, you need to have a third party validation to make it relevant. Yeah. Okay. So that's the tough thing about it is a lot of people want to value your business or, or value their business themselves only to find out that uh, no one puts any value to what they did. So I, I, so I agree with you 100%. However, I am going to point out this factor that I see often. You get uh, entrepreneur A who doesn't know how to value their business and entrepreneur B who also doesn't know how to value businesses and they decide to just both go in on it on a handshake. And and I see that happen a lot. Uh, I I uh, would advise against that. Right. Because the probability of you guys coming to an agreement that makes sense, I mean, look at it this way. If you're trying to sell your house, right, and you have no idea, you don't do any comps, you don't know, you know, you don't talk to a realtor, you don't know what your house is worth, and you just grab some sort of number based on the, uh, you know, mortgage payments you've made over the years, uh, that, that would be ridiculous. Like, the, the, right. the chances of you getting a good, fair price on that house. Now, yeah, every time you buy and sell a house, there's, there's about $10,000 of wiggle room, depending on how much the house is going for, right? But there's about $10,000 where the buyer and the seller, they're trying to come to terms. And, and, but for the most part, you know, if your house is listed at $300,000, you are kind of expecting to pay anywhere from two eighty dollars to maybe three ten. Right. You know, you're, you're not thinking that you're going to come in and buy this thing for 140 if it's listed at 300,000. And the same thing right. with the business is like you don't want it to be way off or just random or guessing. Now, I never discourage anyone from doing their own business valuation, um, especially as they're trying to grow and understand that there's some value in doing that because you better understand your financials, you better understand the position of your company. So, I still encourage people to do it on their own, but I don't encourage them if they're actually looking to buy or sell. Uh, to use evaluation that hasn't been validated by a third party. So, okay, uh, you mentioned a few cases of when to use validation, uh, excuse me, valuation. And I wanted to talk about uh, some of the other reasons to use valuation. And I'm going to tie it in right now because okay. you're, you're talking about the difference between getting an outside third party validated valuation versus doing just an internal on your own valuation. Yes. So uh, a, a couple things that I see come up that didn't get listed in that, uh, you know, kind of first run through when people bring on a business partner of any level of oh. equity. Oh, good point. Uh, so, you know, I'll see people throw this around all that. I'll give you 10%. 10% of what? Yeah. Okay. And so if ever you're going to put a percentage down, you really should have a valuation done. Now, you don't have to necessarily make that a third-party validated valuation. You could do that just on your own, but you got to have a sense of, you know, like what are you offering 10% of? $100,000, a million dollars, yeah. 10 million dollars, you know, like 10% starts to really add up if those numbers get high and yeah. you know, if you think well, you've got a This is where we come back to that whole shark tank idea. Mm -hmm. 
that someone walks in and says, hey, I will give, you know, I want $100,000 for 10% of my company. What they're basically saying is then if, if 100000 is 10% of my company, then my company's worth a million dollars, right? And then the sharks ask the question, well, uh, what were your sales last year? And they say 75000 And then all the sharks go, I'm out, okay? <laughs> because you've way no, overvalued no, no. your 75000 but that was just year one. Yeah, yeah. So you see anomalies like that where you're just like, you just shake, uh, I shake my head because I'm thinking, oh, you're killing me. But, and, and the sharks do the same thing as they start to look through that. And then all of a sudden they come back and say, no, look, you know, I'll give you 100000 for like 50% of your companies, you mm-hmm. know, to where they're, they're getting their value. But that's what they're, so exactly what you're saying is that they're, they're doing that. And you should be doing that same thing that, yeah, if, if there's a partnership going to happen and there's going to be some equity, well, what are, you better have a number of why that 10% is and what that value of the company is. Because if that company grows and you have your 10%, you want to invest, you know, take it back out for that investment. Um, you, now you're looking at a different number and mm-hmm. it, those, you need to, you need to make sure you understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So another, another thing that I think is really important to point out is when you're getting ready to exit your business. So this could be retirement, this could be lifestyle changes, you Correct. know, and I like to know, am I on track? So if this is my retirement and I'm planning on Correct. retiring in 15 years, is my valuation today on track to get me to where I need to be for retirement at my current growth rate? And so it's very helpful to know if I'm on track or, you know, so uh, interesting story. And this is not a retirement story, but uh, th- th- this happened ooh, last year, two years ago. Anyway, so uh, I had a good friend and she owned a business and uh, she was looking at it and she's like, I feel like I'm just working too hard. I don't have enough time to spend with my kids. Uh, I probably need to get out. And she was just going to liquidate everything. It was a small business, you know, a really small business, kind of a part-time deal. And she was going to liquidate everything. And so, uh, you know, I tell her, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this business has value behind it. And she's like, well, I mean, I could sell the equipment, maybe get like five grand out of it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, you have, you, you, you've got equipment, you've got location, you've got a customer base. So we run a valuation on this thing. Comes out to about $50,000. Blew her mind. Like, she was ready to walk away and try and scrap five grand out of this. And her little small nothing business, you know, was valued at $50,000. Well, she saw that and it changed her whole mindset where all of a sudden she was engaged to work on this. She's like, oh, there's actually something here. And she went in and basically, I don't know the exact uh, amount, but pretty much doubled her client base just because she's like, yeah, I've got something here. And so, you know, understanding that it, it can be frustrating when, you know, you're a small business and you're not taking a paycheck or you're taking a reduced paycheck because so right. much money's going back into the business. You kind of think, ah, this thing's just, you know, it's worthless. You know, I make 500 bucks a month on this thing. I'm like, yeah, but all that money that's going into the business is building the business. There's value. That's right. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so you were talking about some of the models. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, I think we had to talk about it just a few models that they can use that are pretty simple. Okay. I'd rather keep them simple instead of getting, you know, cause I, 
I read all kinds of things about like guideline transaction models and, you know, like I said, that discounted cash flow. And I mean, there's all kinds. I have of, a degree in corporate finance. Most of that goes over my head. You know, I just, <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Perpetuity formula. And I'm just, I'm like, no one gets it. You know, yeah. don't, you think you sound super smart, but you don't. Okay. Yeah. So um, it comes, it comes down to one is you need to understand the book value. Now the book value is a little bit tricky because there's some values in the, in your book value. So if you're looking at your book value, we're looking at a lot of times the balance sheet and can, can I even strengthen that comment? Yeah. You're looking at the balance sheet. Yeah. Like honestly, this is done on the balance sheet. Yeah. Most of it is done on the balance sheet. Occasionally for some reason or other, we'll look at a cash flow. but when we're looking at book well, value, even the cash flow is going to be done on the balance yeah, that's true, sheet. That's true. That's right. You know? And right. so, and, and, and this is, I, I I'm sorry to, to kind of no, hammer okay. on this one because I, I see this happen so much. People start looking at the profitability. Right. And they yeah. want to value off of the profitability and the sales. Right. And I'm like, no, you value off of the cash flow, and the cash flow is on the balance sheet. Right. There's nothing wrong with looking at the connection. I mean, so if you if you followed our series and we talked about how to connect sales and profits to cash, so if you want mm-hmm. to look at the connection, and you know, a lot of times people will tell you that EBITDA, you know, and they're like, right. oh, we do an EBITDA factor of five yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, great, mm-hmm. do that. I want to know the cash flow. I want to know your cash flow projections. And so balance sheet, like right. y- you could do this 100% on the balance sheet. If you want to consult the P&L, more power to you. Yeah. So when we reference the balance sheet, the one thing that I always tell everyone to be careful of is you have this item called equity. And sometimes equity <laughs> is a ghost number. It's We've made it up to make things, unfortunately, we've made it up to make things balance, yep. which is... Not what I want to openly say on the air, but it does happen, right? Okay. Often. Okay. So, so all of a sudden now you start looking at some of those numbers and you're, you're looking at your equity and your equity is overinflated. And so now all of a sudden you're saying, well, my, my business value is much higher. But, but generally when we look at that book value, we're looking at the cash and the hard assets, mm-hmm. uh, your accounts receivables, things like that, um, as you look into try to find that book value. Yeah, and I would add liabilities to that. Yeah, Any, liabilities because you know, they're going to detract from. Yeah, they. It's like a house. Okay, what do I? Uh, you know, what's my house worth? But what do I still owe on the mortgage? You know, you have to factor that in, and 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 coming up with that equity number. I want I want to hit on something when when you're talking about equity. A lot of people that are using accounting softwares, uh, it's very common to have accounting softwares create. Uh, just kind of this catch-all equity account to require the balance of the balance sheet. And so, uh, you know, if you're using an accounting software, go and look and see Mm -hmm. if you have, you know, if if there was a built-in equity account that all of a sudden is starting to get numbers, right? Right. That that means it's just balancing, and that's not an accurate uh, accounting of your equity. Those should be put into their correct buckets. And so, you know, like opening balance equity, uh, you know, those types of things in accounting softwares, you know, look out for those because those will skew your book value. Yeah. So when we look at the, and then when we look at hard assets, so I want to look at, you know, uh, potentially cash in the bank. I also want to look at land building equipment and I want to do, especially equipment, inventory, things like that. 
Um, I'm not going to take them for face value mm-hmm. because there's depreciation with them. There's, they've been used and abused. We have to actually look at, actually look at the condition of those assets. Mm-hmm. You know, if the inventory has been sitting there for two years and it's outdated and, you know, we have a problem, even though it's still on the books. So that's where we say, you know, you need to go and do now an, an in-depth understanding of what those individual assets are and where they actually stand and what the market value of those assets are. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone's not, if you're looking to buy and someone's not willing to let you go and look at those hard assets and understand the fine details of them, red flag. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times, uh, and I know you're trying to keep it simple, so I won't go too in-depth on this, but they'll take the assets and they'll give them a discount rate. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. you know, if, if, if I'm looking at land, land is going to be pretty straight across, like, Correct. you know, uh, but depending on how it's zoned could impact, you know, what the value of that land is because, you know, zoning for, you know, an acre of land zoned one way versus an acre of land zoned another way is going to totally change the value of that land. Correct. You know, so keep in mind that you want to get your zoning correct and whether you have like a contingency, no, a conditional use, excuse me, not a contingency, a conditional conditional use, use. You know, that could that could cause discounts to, to hit. But, you know, like we're looking at machinery and you, you might get uh, on equipment, you might get an, you know, an 80 percent or a 20 percent discount. You might only get 80 percent value on on your equipment. So if it's worth 100,000, you only get a claim 80 because it's like, well, we're not sure what kind of condition it's in or how useful it is. You get down to inventory, you only get a claim like 20 10 percent you know and so uh, i think the the point that our listeners need to understand is that book value and market value don't always align yeah and so you've you've got to they rarely align so you've got to you got to know that when i look at my book value i take it for face value but then i look at some of the things i go "Mm, we need to make sure we understand the market value of this asset because it's probably not what we have on our books Mm -hmm. or what they have on their books depending on the scenario that you're doing yeah so uh, I want to jump back to something that you mentioned in the these financial episodes. If you haven't had a chance, this is this is number part four. So you know, check out one, two, and three, building up to this. But uh, you had mentioned uh, you were looking at buying a business, and uh, your dad had advised you to not buy it, but to just go right. out and do it on your own if you were seriously interested in that. And what he was talking about is he was saying, go out and value the components of the business independently, which is a very simple way to get at evaluation. You know, if I'm trying to value a business and so let's, let's say that I'm, you know, I'm going to go buy a restaurant from someone because restaurants buy and sell pretty frequently, right? Yes. So... I can go out and I can say, all right, what exactly am I buying? All right, so I need all of the tables and chairs, the front of the house fixtures. I need the the hood to be installed. I need to have, you know, the I've got a freezer, a walk-in freezer, walk-in fridge, you know, right. and, and, and you could just go out and you could price out what it would what it would take to do that. But there's a little trick that I like to use. And that is, I love to see what a franchise restaurant, and I'm just using restaurants as an example. You could do this with, uh, you know, a a thousand different businesses. But I like to see what a franchise business is going to cost me. Because what will happen is I'll price out this business and I'll be like, oh, hey, I could could do my restaurant for 50,000. But then all of a sudden I want to do a brand named restaurant for a franchise and they're going to require that I have like a quarter million of, you know, cash or cash yes. equivalent 
before they'll even let me consider buying this. And so it's like, what do they know? What did the franchise do to understand that process that I'm not accounting for? And it's a great way because now franchise, they're going to get their cut. So you are paying for the brand name. You are paying for their process. You're like you're, you're paying for that. But they also have done their homework as to what works. And so, you know, if, if I valued it at 50000 and the franchise is saying that it's a quarter million, my 50000 is a little bit light. There are some things that I forgot in right. my valuation. Yeah. Now, we'd be amiss to not talk about um, the cash side of valuation in, in and of itself. And yeah. I generally call them a multiplier because I'm looking at cash and I'm putting a multiplier to it to understand and basically what I'm doing is I'm looking at, all right, what are the assets of the business and what are those assets able to produce? Mm. Okay. So when I look at what they're producing, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out into the future of what those assets can produce because that's what's important because when I, when I make my money back, if I'm buying it, it's out into the future. Yeah. Okay. So I need to understand what those assets are going to produce in cash out into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so generally I can, you can look at patterns. So if you have a number of your financials, you can look at patterns. Um, sometimes there's industry standards where you can just use a multiplier effect. Like, um, let's say in the restaurant, maybe it's three. So I can take sales times three and that gives me a good ballpark about what that business should probably sell for based off of those sales. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what people are willing to pay because of what the future gains are going to be. So, so, you know, there's a, you can keep it simple by understanding just a little bit of a multiplier effect that the cash does have value. Those assets do have value out into the future. And what, what was that value at that point in time? That's, and that, that's where they, when you talk about discounted cash flow models and things like that, that's what they're trying to do is look out into the future and then discount it back to what it is today. So you understand what the value would be as you're trying to decide what you want to do um, based off of those decisions. So me personally, and this this is a little bit more advanced, but it's not as complicated as you would think. I like to use the internal rate of return, the IRR yeah. calculation. Yeah. I find that the present value or the net present value is more popular, but personally, I'm not a fan of the net present value. I like the IRR because it just gives me a flat percentage. Right. And so basically the concept, uh, I'm just going to talk about what the idea is here. If I'm going to buy a business and it costs me $100,000, my first calculation is going to be a negative 100000 And you can put this into a spreadsheet, you know, like Excel will, right. will calculate. So if you, if you just go into your formulas and you hit equals IRR and then you're going to drag it across a row, that first number needs to be a negative because that's how much cash you spent to get the business. And then year one would be the positive cash flow of whatever I would get. Year two would be the positive cash flow. Year three would be the positive cash flow. And then it will calculate the equivalent percentage. And I always like to look at it this way. If I took that money and just threw it in the bank, what what would I get? Yes, right percentage wise. Right. Because that's all it's saying. Is it's just saying well, and that's but that's a huge point that that needs to be brought up and addressed is that there's opportunity costs. Mm-hmm. So in general, when we're looking at that, I'm, I'm looking as if I'm buying a business and you mentioned a little bit before, but the opportunity cost of what, what could, if I invested that money in something else, would I get a greater return? Mm-hmm. And so if you think about this and I get that this wouldn't exist in any savings account out there, but let's just go <laughs> for simple numbers. 
I take $100,000, I put it in the bank, and I get an annual rate of 10%. That'd be nice. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So at the end of year one, I have $110,000 in the bank. But it tied up $100,000. I didn't have access to $100,000 for a year to make $10,000. I'm looking at this, and it's saying that at at 10%, it's going to take me about a little over seven years to recoup that or to make $100,000 off of my $100,000. So don't expect to make your money right back. Like it takes time. And the other thing is, is I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, I could go into the stock market. You know, the S&P 500 averages what, 10.5%, something like that, you know. And so I could take that money, I could throw it into a mutual fund that that mirrors the S&P 500. It requires no expertise on my part, no long hours, no weekends, and I'm already going to make 10% if I just sit on that money. And so when I'm going to buy a business, I'm not interested in something that's going to give me 7% on my cash. You know, right, I want something right. that's going to give me 50%, 75%. You know, those are the kind of numbers that I want to compensate for my long hours, for my weekends, for the risk, you know, for right. having to stay competitive. Uh, like there, there's a lot of expertise that goes into running a business. So I want, I want a higher compensation, a higher return on investment. That's why I like looking at an ROI is it just puts it in perspective of, well, should I take the same money and just get a mutual fund? Well, while you're on that one, I want to bring something up I see all the time that's a huge mistake that small business owners make, and that is um, their accountants, and, and it's not bad advice, but if you're trying to grow the value of your business, it is bad advice. Um, accountants often tell small business owners, write everything off yeah, so you don't pay taxes. Okay. So you've been writing everything off, so on taxes you're reporting close to zero for now four or five years, and now wait a minute, I, yeah, I want to sell off my business. Well, the problem with that is, is now any legal document that's relevant shows that you're making no money. Yeah, it's a worthless business. Yeah, so that internal rate of return, it doesn't matter what formula we use, zero times anything is zero. <laughs> right. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's exactly what happened. So that's a huge mistake that a lot of small business owners make is they, they don't understand that cash is king mm-hmm. and you have to be able to show cash if you want to be the king. And and I want to hit on this. Why do we care about cash? Because I can touch cash. I can spend cash. Yes. I can't touch profits. And so if someone's coming to you and trying to give you a profit valuation, you don't want it because profits, okay, depending on how I, uh, you know, do my depreciation, I, I can change my profitability based on legal accounting practices of just adjusting my <laughs> depreciation rates, <laughs> you know? And, and th- there are a lot of things you can do to adjust profitability, but cash in hand is cash in hand. And that's why people care about cash when they're looking at valuation, because I can't change cash like I can change profitability. Why don't I look at sales? I mean, you did talk about the multiplier. Well, and to understand, to make it clear of what you're really saying is that um, I can show on my profits and uh, on my profit and losses uh, that I have, I've been making $100,000 in profit every year. Mm -hmm. However, if I look at the bank account and the cash flow and there's 10,000 in there, Oh, what is going on? What right. is wrong? See, that's that's what we're talking about is that, that if profit matches cash, 
it's fine. You mm-hmm. can trust a lot of other things in the company. But if profit is not matching the cash that's in the bank, all right, we've been we've been misleading what the actual value of the company is. Yeah. Yeah, no, great great point and I think that clarifies a lot of things. And so so yeah, I was I was talking if I want to go to sales, what I'm looking at with sales is to me sales only helps to get me started. Because the problem with sales is sales fluctuate a lot. Yes. And you'll see people that'll start to sell businesses because the sales are trending down or they know that their competitive advantage is going to expire and so they're going to tank with the sales. You know, like there there can be some inside information that it's like, oh, yeah, these sales aren't going to be what they need to be. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I don't want to buy a business based on sales forecasts. I don't want to buy a business based on sales history. I don't mind looking at that and saying, okay, Based on your sales, this is the ballpark of what we should be doing now. Do the cash flows correct? Do they support what your claims are with sales? If you want to go that direction, that's fine. But honestly, I'm looking at the cash flows. Like sales are yeah. just and, curiosity stuff. And to make it real simple to understand why we're looking at that one, if our sales are increasing, but our cost of goods of cost of goods sold is increasing faster, mm-hmm. our, our margins are getting smaller. And so our profit is going to be less. The cash in hand is going to become less. So it, when we look at just sales only and we see that in sales is increasing very fast, we mislead the fact that um, we're not getting more dollar-for-dollar uh, dollar value based off the sell. Yeah. So uh, I think we're going to go ahead and put a pause in it there. There's, there's honestly more that we could talk about with business valuation, but I don't want to go too deep. I want to keep it at a, at a level that is practical for the majority of business owners out there. So just remember, you got to look at like what, what is your business worth in the market? Uh, what do the books say you know, based on your accounting? And what are those cash flow uh, projections looking at you know, and getting a rate of return on that? Uh, that, that that's what you're looking at when you're doing business business valuation. So uh, if you have any questions about that, we did a whole series on finance covering a lot of those things. There's also a lot of previous episodes that go into some depth on uh, on a lot of these things. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, financial series uh, bonus part four, and uh, we will catch you next time. See ya. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.